And we are live, ladies and gentlemen, and we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Backmarkers F1 show. This is recapping the 2019 Singapore Grand Prix. And guess who else is back? P1 Sebastian. P1. P1 Sebastian. Oh, I thought you were well talking about Tyler. Oh. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's back too. I missed what, one episode. Yeah. Two episodes. But you missed one, it on one. the brand new table, which is really important. That's true. It is beautiful. <laughs> um, this is almost as beautiful as Sebastian Vettel's win. I guess the upgrades were. We for were both. in tears when we first set it up, though. We did not have a national anthem going. No. Unfortunately. <laughs> we should have played the Italian anthem. It's true. We should have. That should just play everywhere. <laughs> yeah, this is what our uh, research and development has been all season. We've re- released a major upgrade uh, last race. So. That's right. And so did Ferrari, apparently. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, our penalty was loss of a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. Be two man podcast. But no, what a race from Ferrari. I mean, um there i mean if you ask charles it'll be a little bit different yeah but i'm fine with the choice <laughs> it's just not fair um it, no it's fair I, i'm fine with with everything ferrari did no i and, am too I'm... and their upgrade finally worked where they have something that they can use on a a track that isn't just straight lines <laughs> yeah. well it's predominantly corners really yeah yeah but yeah, I mean, it, we were talking about it in our preview, um, but just me and Shaker were like, Ferrari are bringing some upgrades, but we're like, don't expect it to be too too big. Right? Yeah. And I didn't think that they were going to be horrible, but I thought that, okay, like it would be the best case scenario they get like P3. Yeah, because we were saying that this is not going to be a Ferrari track whatsoever. And I don't think we had any Ferrari drivers. I don't drivers. think anyone had no. a Ferrari track. No. I don't even think we had any Ferrari drivers in our top three. I think we all, uh, both of us had Max, uh, Valtteri or Lewis in some type of order, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And now those were the, the teams as the favorites, right? We moved to the power circuits. We were like, okay, that's done. Yeah. Now we go to the more aero-sensitive circuits, which wasn't Ferrari's strength. But what surprised me is just how they were there in every session from FP1 yeah qualifying and then all the way to the race the race to me was the big question because yeah. race pace hasn't been one of their strong suits on any track this season and they ended up bringing the whole package together for a really a sh- like for them to turn and not only just a one two for them to call the strategy to improve their position yeah that blew my mind i'm like who the hell is working at ferrari yeah they've had some amazing strategy choices the last right like well since some well last five races really yeah Maybe more than that. No, uh, we're counting Germany. Germany would be the last. Germany would have been would have been the fifth one. Yeah, I would say since. I mean, hung, that, yeah, Hungary, Hungary, Hungary yeah. yeah, Hungary or Spa, Hungary or Spa. Yeah, it, it's just more like we we're not used to seeing it that way. We're used to seeing the bottle strategies, and although okay, yeah, we let's make the argument that Leclerc did lose out and he got screwed. But when you look at the team game, they did turned, he really though? I I honestly I. Personally, I thought Charles Leclerc was kind of being a little brat. I know that's I know that's really out there, but man, you won the last two races, and it's a team sport. That's what it's that's what it is at the end. I'm sure you're it's one but, driver at the end of the season, but in in the race, you're playing it as a team sport, and it was a good strategy call to get both of them in top two finishes. Yeah, it was a perfect strategy call, and yeah. for Charles, I mean, it's not brat like might be overdoing it. It's but, not. <laughs> It's not like Charles didn't have any laps or any any mm-hmm. opportunity to overtake Sebastian in the rest of the race. He couldn't. They do gave it. him plenty of time of to overtake him, and he couldn't he, do he, it. He didn't do it. Yeah. So in the end, you can see it as a wash. Well, I mean, even with the safety, like the safety car, 
Vettel had such great starts with as soon as the yeah. safety car ended. I, like Vettel, uh, Charles had the chance to do it. He just couldn't. Yeah. Vettel, Vettel towards the, you know the last thirty laps or so was just so focused in on keeping that position his. He wanted that win. His second one of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Because there there are four flags up at Maranello today. It's his, yeah. I think it's his best track. He's won there five times. Five times. Five Correct. times. Yeah. So it's his. Best five track. times for number five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he call him? The, the Lion of Singapore? The Lion of Singapore. Yeah, the Lion of Singapore. Just interesting quickly on that. I thought that he was going to show a lot more emotion on Team Radio. Maybe he did. Maybe we didn't see what was released. Well, but the, Their Team Radio didn't... It like cut out for the last three minutes of the race. When you didn't get any of the drivers. There's something wrong with that. Well, it's also interesting, too, that he said it was not a relief, but a confirmation. Those were his emotions following the race. So... Maybe he wasn't in such of a black hole as we made him out to see or as the whole media made him out to see. Yeah. Um, he, he was right there. He just needed that one result, but we'll get to, to Vettel a little bit later on. But getting back to Leclerc, yeah, I think that... He, I would say Leclerc was necessarily a, a brat. I thought that it was interesting the way he handled the situation where he was pissed off, but yet he was calm. Like after the one safety car restart, he's like, I want everything. I want engine mode. Yeah. And then well, that's why I use the word Brad. He's like, I want everything. I want, I want everything for this car. He's like, but Charles, like, you, can, we need this car. We need to make it to the end. He's like, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I will not do anything stupid. I know. I want a P one and one uh, one two. Yeah, I just not like this. We got to, we got to start nailing down that uh, Leclerc impression. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I won't do anything stupid. It's, it's, I mean, uh, the I know, Monaco accent itself, when you're speaking English, is kind of weird. Well, it's like, like French, it, Italian, and English. Yeah, at the same time. It's, it's and he's fluent mix, in Italian. Yeah, like you were yeah, saying, right? yeah, yeah, he's very fluent. So it's kind of it's 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 hard to do because it's almost it's it's like the Dutch English. Like they speak so like coherently, but you can tell there's an accent with it. Yeah. And I, I would say the same thing with Charles Leclerc as well. I was watching at work today because I mean. You know, work's important. I was watching the podcast with Jos Verstappen, obviously yeah. Max Verstappen's father. Man, it's like they sound so similar. Oh yeah, yeah. you know what For I mean. Sure. It, it's it's so funny, but I, you notice that Dutch accent, right? You pick it up right well, away. Well, that's just it. Like I said, it's it's such they speak they speak such fluent English, but there's like there's a slight accent with it that you can tell that they're not pure English. But I mean, they speak it so well. Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> So I, I think it, it was a kind of a conundrum, but I, I would agree. I think you brought up the point in saying that, you know, like, listen, he had all that time behind the safety car to make a move. He didn't. But also, let's look at how he handled the race in the first 20 or so laps. Now, yeah. I don't know if that was a team call going that slowly. I mean, at that point, I think Hulkenberg and Grosjean were lapping faster than yeah. Leclerc was. So that part that was part of the reason why his race kind of got screwed up. And then after Vettel did the undercut, everything just blew wide open. But let's also give credit to Sebastian Vettel. I know a lot of people are saying that the win was handed to him through strategy, but I mean, let's be honest, all race wins are handed to you through strategy yeah. for the most part. Well, if you, now, now that you just mentioned it, like if it was a call from Ferrari at the very beginning for him to go, not maybe not slow, but maybe just watch out for tire wear so he could last a little bit longer, maybe the strategy was to bring in Vettel the inside the entire time. And the, uh, they weren't expecting the undercut. Well, Vettel said it was a surprise to him. He said it was on the, like the 17th corner or something like that, a 21 corner. Very late. They said, oh, yeah. okay, box this lap. So obviously Charles had driven by and was not stopping. And that's why Sebastian stopped. Uh, and they stopped Sebastian so they could jump one of the Mercedes. And it worked out perfectly for them to get yeah. the, a little bit closer in the constructor standings. Well, maybe <laughs> Charles was kind of thinking the same thing. Lewis was, if he keeps going, he could keep up his pace yeah. and get that position back. 
And, yeah, maybe it just wasn't the right call on Charles' part to not go in, you know? And let's give credit to Vettel's outlap as well after yeah. the pit stop. because oh, the flyer. Vettel's yeah. pit stop was seven-tenths slower than Charles Leclerc. Yep. So that shows you how much he was pushing on that outlap. Well, then if you've been compared to Max Verstappen coming in the same lap, he Correct. was seven-tenths faster. Yeah. And he still couldn't make up that time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I was just interested as to why Vettel got... I mean, typically the driver that's leading and, and that's got pole is, is the one that gets the first call to strategy. So I was a little bit interested and kind of confused as to why he was brought in first. Obviously a very late call, but still, I guess they... Excuse me, I guess they didn't anticipate his undercut being so powerful, but it was, it was an interesting call nonetheless. I think they were expecting um, Vettel to do keep Lewis Hamilton behind. I think that's one of the main reasons, but they weren't expecting Vettel to go be going that fast around. True. And at the end of it, I don't think there was really an option for them. They had to call They had to call for uh, Charles to come in because he needed his tires change. And in the end, it just didn't work out for them. So I don't think... I think the team strategy t- changed on the go. I don't think it was a set strategy right. from the beginning that made, like, like Tyler pointed out. And let's also give credit to going back to Saturday, Charles Leclerc's qualifying lap yeah, because very good lap. When I yeah. saw Vettel's first run in Q3, I'm like, okay, that's the old, that's the four-time world champion right there. The way he was pushing the car, how you could see how comfortable he was yeah. with the front end, the rear end, riding the curbs, and then Leclerc almost crashed it into the wall like four different times. And I'm watching on well, the yeah, onboard. I think, I think he said he's like, I'm surprised because he he said he lost control about four times yeah yeah <laughs> and i don't know how he made up so much time because he just lost the rear on four different occasions yeah but i think it shows the difference also between when you have a driver who's comfortable with the car versus vettel who's not 100 percent comfortable with the car just yet you can get away with driving over the limit whereas yep. like vettel showed in monza he can't yeah but nonetheless that was a, a hell of a lap from leclerc and what blew me away Charles leclerc has the most pole positions in 2019, in 2019 with five. Yeah. Well, even Lewis Hamilton was surprised. In the yeah, press he's conference, like, he's like, shit, you have five? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe no, that. No, it was with it was with Vettel where he was like, wait, he has five? Wow. <laughs> Good for him. It's amazing. Yeah. In a season where Mercedes have dominated the first half, yeah. but the fact that Leclerc's got the most, I was like, really? And yeah. Then, yeah, they it listed it off. Surprise, like, wow, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So good for him. Because Vettel's had only the one in Montreal, right? That's it. Correct, correct. Yeah. And Ferrari's first three-peat win in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's another one that it's blew actually me away. The first time in Singapore uh, that a team has come one too as well. That's correct. true. Yeah. Uh, what other funny stats are there? Um, first time since 1983, Alfa Romeo has led a race. Well, there we go. <laughs> first non-Red Bull, Mercedes, or Ferrari driver since Williams in 2015 yes. to lead a Formula One race. That's wow. what I was going to go for. But I wasn't <laughs> sure if we're going to move on that topic yet. It's um, in the notes, so we're just flowing we'll along right here. So, yeah, let's transition to Antonio Giovinazzi. What a race from him. Good for him. Yeah. I. Uh, it was one of those things that were like, man, he might finally be showing his potential. But And it's not just one lap blood. No. Four. F- yeah. Four. And, well, that and you include his last two races. Let's take away his spa, his crash at the very end. He was having a great drive yeah, until was. that crash. And even his last race was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of been like a switchover from how Kimi Raikkonen performed at the first half of the season and now how he's performing in the second half of the season. It's been a complete switch. I mean, I think we mentioned this before we went on. This is the first time this year that Kimi hasn't finished a race. Yeah. 
and it's good news for Alfa Romeo, yeah. right? Because we were kind of thinking, well, is Giovinazzi going to get dropped for the likes of Hulkenberg or, mm-hmm. or somebody else? Uh, I don't think so anymore. Before. I think they no. should keep that pairing, to be honest. It's a, it's a very good pairing. Well, yeah. and Ferrari have kind of inserted themselves because obviously he's a Ferrari, was a Ferrari junior driver. They say that they're they're happy with Giovinazzi and they want to stay with him. Obviously, Italian driver, yeah. driver young, for an yes, Italian team, really young, young, young yeah, as he has well. Potential to break into that Ferrari team with Charles in the future. Could you just Way imagine the, the scenes of Giovinazzi in a works Ferrari winning the, the Grand Prix oh, in Monza? Dude, oh my God. Holy. It'd be absolutely insane. <laughs> With Mick Schumacher third in an Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for him because he wasn't really finding the groove, but yeah, Monza especially was a really good performance. This was another good one. Could have even had more. I mean, he had contact there with, uh, who was it? Stroll? No, Ricardo that Ricardo. hit him. Uh, and he had a, a couple of battles as well. Had he pitted earlier, possibly could have had, had a better result. But the fact that he led, you know, three or four laps, I think was really good and a good experience for him and something that he can come away with at the end of the season to say, hey, I was kind of one of the only other drivers in the top three to lead, to lead the F1 race. Yeah. Um, and he, he, I know F1 released a, a graphic on their Twitter and it was the lap leaders and it was just Antonio Giovinazzi on the bottom of four and they tagged him in it. And he was like, thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, exactly. Cause what was everybody else had like 100, 100 200 and then four. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to be here. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good overtake from Vettel to take over Giovinazzi and good defending in that time, but he couldn't really do anything. So he held on as much as he could. Yeah. The one that made the difference though was Vettel on Gasly. Cause Gasly yes. was looking racy and wasn't just going to pull over like, the Ferrari junior driver was. Yeah, he kind of forced to. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was kind of, I want to say race defining, but it was a big moment in the race to be able to clear the traffic quickly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, afterwards, the safety car bunched everything up, but it gave him a good four or five second gap afterwards where he was able to save tires a little bit and pull away. Yeah, he zipped through the traffic pretty nice. So yeah, Pierre Gasly was, was almost going to hold up Vettel. So I think that that overtake, it was close. It was on the limit, but... Again, like we were saying before, Sebastian Vettel showing again shades of that four-time world champion. So hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see more of that going forward. And I wanted to talk about the most egregious strategy of them all. Yeah. And it wasn't Charles Leclerc at Ferrari, and people were missing this. It was my poor guy, Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes. He should have been on a podium. Yeah. Could have it's, been. It's Lewis's fault that he wanted to stay out there for longer. Yep. Valtteri uh, was killing it. And he should have been rewarded. I know James said, uh, James. Valtteri, I'll make it up to you later. But it, there's not many later times. Well, I kept on seeing all the memes when memes is weak after the race where people are like, oh, when James comes on, Valtteri, that's that. I'm like, it really, really should have been when Lewis decides to stay out longer than the strategy, a strategy yeah. call. Because, man, just because your driver is he's like, no, I can keep going even though I know I don't have the pace. Why not step in and be like, hey, no, you need to change tires because this is our strategy call. Yeah. Why? And they screwed over another driver's race because of it. Like, how is how is that fair to Valtteri to keep on new, keep on going on? Like, he's got another year with Mercedes, but man, I wouldn't want to be part of that dude. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I, don't know. I hope that he wins at least another race this year. He hasn't won one since the second race of this year. Right? Second Azerbaijan. Third race? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Which would have been fourth race? Yeah. Yeah. I, di- I didn't have this pulled up on my laptop and we'll show everybody at home, but I, I thought that this video perfectly summed up Valtteri's career yes. at Mercedes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love his face at the, that too. Just like, yeah. Fuck, yeah. that's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> what a poor guy, man. Yeah. 
I don't know if he's ever going to be allowed to stretch his legs at Mercedes with, with the way things are. Uh, I hope, eh? Man, I really... He's a good driver, and it's it's very unfortunate. He he would be the best teammate to have on a team. That's why yeah. they've kept him. I know. He, it's, he's a great teammate, but like he's such a good driver at the same time. He's so getting it, paid, though, yeah. so that's good. <sighs> man. I like, yeah. At least he's getting his money. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad true. someone's getting him some money. <laughs> I, I just found that... It, it it was crazy when when we heard the, the the words that probably keep Valtteri up at night. Valtteri, it's James. Yeah, it's like oh no, oh no. <laughs> no. And when and it wasn't like it was like can you do like a couple tenths slower? It was like can you do three and a half seconds slower than yeah, your last lap? I, I, like, I think what? that <laughs> just before that he set the fastest lap. Oh, or something. Yeah. It was like forty five nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Was like can you do one forty eight three yeah. or one forty eight eight? I was like, are you yeah. high? What? <laughs> like what are you talking? About? Three You're seconds talking? slower. Can you <laughs> stop on the track for a second and then just go? Again? Pull over, just pull yeah. over, and we'll keep going. Valtteri, put it in neutral and just <laughs> and just drive. Just coast, just coast. <laughs> it's like what is going on here? So yeah, that was really disappointing for Mercedes, and it's not like this championship is close and stuff like that. I mean, Valtteri's fighting for the championship with Lewis Hamilton, and if I was Valtteri, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have been like, well, screw you guys, I'll crash out Lewis too. While I'm at it. Well, he even said he's like, it wasn't his call to stay out. Yeah, and they didn't answer him. They wouldn't give him a straight answer, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah. But the thing is, is he's the closest championship contender to Lewis. Yes. Yeah. And I know it's very far away, but if I was Valtteri, I would have been like, no, I'm going to do a 45-9 exactly, yeah. because I want to win this race and I want to cut my gap in half. And how is Mercedes like, okay, I get Lewis is still leading the championship, but how are you going to go out there and ask him to do three seconds a lap slower so that your boy Lewis can stay ahead of him? Yeah. Other thing that really pissed me off was Lewis Hamilton at the end blaming the team, being like, oh, I'm not very happy with the strategy call. We could have done much better. It was your call. It was your call for the reason that Valtteri ended up staying out, ended, ended up slowing his race down, and you ended up staying out longer. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously an easy one to, to, to blame. I, I think it's all of their faults. That's no, for, it's sure. for sure. Their gamble it, was, it, was not a good gamble. No, no for sure. Um I yeah. think everyone realized that too. They're like everyone's just like, "Why are you staying out?" Like it makes no sense. No, like, are you yeah. hoping? I guess you're hoping for a safety car, but I mean that's just desperate. Even then, that's though, what like was... the alphas are looking for. They're like, "Give me a safety car," so I'm in first place. Right. right. You know? it, it was a long shot at that point of the race too. It's still only the first first third of the race, so I, I didn't see that strategy working out at all, and, no. and it didn't. He went from second to fourth, so I understand why he was pissed you off. Know, if he stayed out for another what ten more laps, he would have gone in a safety car. Yeah, that's about it. Like I, I, don't know I wonder if he could have pushed a little harder on Leclerc to try try and overtake, but nobody really picked up their pace that much to try and overtake. You know, it was really no. after the first lap, everybody just kind of fell into line and then we were waiting for the pit stops and then everything just blew up Yeah. after that. Um, I do have a question though. If the safety cars didn't happen, do you think Mercedes would have, would have caught up to Ferrari? No. I don't think so. No? I, I think, think so. they would have though. You think so? I think they would have. They had 15 laps left, and we could, and they were already uh, both Vettel and Charles were already starting to complain how their tires were wearing. With 15 laps to go, I, th- I maybe not catch up all the way, but I think they would have gotten ahead of Max. I th- mm. maybe Max, but I think Ferrari had the right balance because it came out afterwards that Red Bull and Mercedes didn't have the correct setup. Which oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know how. This is not like the first time we're driving in Singapore. I mean, it's. I, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying you should probably know how to set up the car by now. But See, Red Bull I could understand because they have a brand new engine, so they're still playing around with it in Singapore. 
Ferrari has had the same engine with a few upgrades. Sure, I can see that side as well, but not to not have the com- like the right setup for the entire race. It's kind of weird. I mean, like they said, Mercedes they weren't good on the curbs. Ferrari was like they were able to absorb curbs way better, bounce off them and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't understand that, but <laughs> I guess just wrapping up on Valtteri, I wanted to show everybody this because I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And this was posted before the race, and it's just perfect the way that happened this weekend with Valtteri. So this comes from uh, the F1 debate show, and I don't know if this was in the U.S. or something, but it was uh, a local politician or, or somebody running for for uh, a position. But look at the photo of this guy, and oh. tell me not that's like a spit image of Valtteri Bottas. Oh it is, but if Valtteri retired if, in about ten years, put <laughs> yeah. on some weight. This is <laughs> yes, this is American. Um, right. So this is literally American Valtteri. He's yeah. just a little bigger. Yeah. Um, if, as if he wasn't having his his Big Max. <laughs> you know what? If Valtteri was to become a judge. I'd be okay with it. I think you would make some right calls. Judge Bottas. <laughs> but but what would happen if like the person above him would be like, Faltery, it's, it's James. James. <laughs> I need you, you to, to let him go. <laughs> that's true. So that's true. Oh, no. <laughs> him again? <laughs> it's like, I changed careers to not have this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he becomes like a, a race engineer one day and like his boss, Valtteri, it's James. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, since we're talking with Team Radio, um, do we want to talk about the whole George Russell Roman Grosjean incident and uh, yes. and just Russell's reaction to Grosjean basically driving him into the wall? Mate, I had no, I had no space. Mate, <laughs> I don't know where to go. Yeah, that was pretty much what Grosjean said. Well, Russell was like, "What?" He's like, "He's like, I should have expected this." Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> He hasn't even been around for a season and he already knows. Oh my God. That, that was pretty great. Um, I think we can all agree that was Grosjean's fault on the accident, right? Uh, I disagree. I, I think it was Grosjean's. I'm just kidding. The other one, which we were going to wait to uh, get into the podcast and talk oh, about. Wait for that one. Wait yeah, for that wait, one. Okay. Wait for Let that me one. finish this coffee so I can be ready. Um, since we're on the topic of team radio, um, can we just talk about who had the team radio of the race and Danny Kvyat? Just <laughs> maybe one of the best lines of the season. Yeah, if we didn't, if you didn't hear it, uh, I think I don't know when it was. It was after his pit stop, but he he asked his engineer, or his engineer told him he's like <laughs> Kubica behind on the prime, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was after he took Raikkonen out of the race, maybe. Oh, my God. Uh, but that was funny. What else was there? There was... Um, oh, oh I, I saw your little... I see you're leading into this. I saw what you did there. You said... You, 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 you just you said, said that... You just said Daniel Kvyat took Kimi Raikkonen out. Yeah, that's right. No, that's No, incorrect. I don't think so. That is incorrect. So disappointed that we're not no. agreeing. No, no. We're Kimi not Raikkonen... Turned on braking and ran into Daniel Kvyat. I don't think he even turned on braking. He just turned into him. Yeah, like he completely disagreed. He was there, but Kvyat was there. Raikkonen should should have noticed. Should have given Kvyat coming in and completely went right to the side of him. You got to look back on the on the onboard footage when Kimi was already committed to the to the turn and to the braking zone. Kvyat was still way behind. Like no, Kvyat man. launched from way I, far no, behind. I don't think so. That's what I think Kimi that's said Raikkonen's too. Raikkonen's fault. Kimi no. said he he when he looked in the mirror before he hit, he was going to the braking zone, committing to it. He saw Kvyat was way behind him. And not only that, when you look at turn one, the natural racing line is outside going to the inside. You have to hit the apex of the curb that's on the left hand side first, and then you switch to the right. And Kvyat just 
torpedoed himself right in there and took the Iceman out. No, I think no. it's the other way around. I think Raikkonen... But how how is he like why why should Raikkonen have to slow down and let Kvyat overtake he shouldn't. him? He should have just left him the space. He should have left him the space. But there wasn't there wasn't enough space because but he would have had the inside for the next corner. But it's not a ninety degree turn. You Doesn't can't. Matter. Yeah, because you're you're carrying apex speed into the corner, so yeah, you're not stopping that side. and turning in. You can still go on that side. Uh, you got to try it on F one twenty nineteen. I just came off of the Singapore race weekend, so I'm I consider myself an expert on this track now. <laughs> Approach speed into fourth gear. I always I always crash out on the game. In it Singapore. is a tough corner, yeah. Really and you know what? The other thing is too is when you try to like drive like you the drivers do in real life, go around the ballard, you just end up crashing in the wall. Yeah, yeah. So I just sure. cut the corner. <laughs> um, so let us know what you guys think. Who was this? Kimi Raikkonen's fault? I'm not letting you off the hook that easily. Or Danny Kimi. <laughs> fault. If it wasn't, if it wasn't Kimi Raikkonen's fault, why was there no penalty or anything debated about with Daniel Kvyat during the race? Well, why I agree, it's a race incident. But I still think it's Kvyat's fault. No. no, I don't think so, man. If you look at like if you look at the camera from the other side from the onboard view and the other side, you can see Daniel Kvyat approaching in the mirror and I think Kimi Raikkonen should have given that space. But it's he knew but it's Raikkonen's corner. No, you're not breaking. If it was a 90 degree corner, I could see the the point of of Raikkonen should have seen him, but the nature of that corner the fact that you're carrying so much speed, Raikkonen, if he, if Raikkonen would have backed off and gave him more room, he would have had to go off track. Well, look at what Daniel no. Ricciardo did. I think it was on Lance Stroll. That was the perfect way to take that corner, and that's not that's Kimi Raikkonen did not do that. I don't remember that turn one. It was no, it was that exact same turn when Daniel Ricciardo. I think I I don't know if he overtook Stroll or Perez, but I can't remember. But that was the perfect way to do that corner. And Kimi Reich, sure, Daniel Kvyat is also at fault, but I think more of the blame goes to Kimi, Reich, Kimi Reichenden for that incident. Still stick to my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, again, let us know. Who do you think? You could be here all day. Whose fault is it? Kimi Reichenden or Danny Kvyat, let us know and why, and we can have a nice little uh, positive, nice conversation down below. <laughs> Doubt it, but yeah. <laughs> we, we can try anyways. Um, all right, so what else do we have in the race? One of the, well, speaking well, of Daniel Ricardo, I guess we can transition. Nice little segue there. Yeah, well, I was just going to mention since just I forgot to mention before, just with George Russell retiring, that was Williams' first retirement of the season. Yeah, uh, oh, really, which eh? is pretty impressive. That is actually very impressive. Um, so yeah, first time we've had a re- Williams car retire this season. Uh, unfortunately, not to their fault. So, and when was the last time a car retired and you're like, wow, that's impressive? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like the fact that it reminds you of their record. You're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm 15 races in, haven't had a DNF. So. Very reliable. No, no, they're. they're I mean, they're not around really a lot well. of cars usually. But. True. <laughs> I didn't want to say yeah. it, but <laughs> still, credit to Williams. Better than what they were. Correct. At the start of the season. By exactly. Far. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Transitioning into the Honey Badger, Daniel Ricardo. Obviously, if you guys didn't follow on Saturday, qualified eighth, and it was a good qualifying for Renault and Ricardo. And then he got hit with a, a technical penalty, which we can maybe discuss whether it was Oh, I actually fair. was not aware of this. Yeah, so what happened was, so basically in his first or second run in Q1, it wasn't even his good run. It was one that, uh, it was a slower lap. He hit a bump and it created a spike in the MGUK in terms of the maximum kilowatts it can output. So I forgive me, I don't know exactly what the, it's like 120 or 160 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. So when he went over the curb, it spiked up for... You know, and it went two or three kilowatts over, 
but it gave him like one millionth of a second advantage, something ridiculous. Like it wasn't a millisecond. It wasn't a tenth. Like it was 0.000001 millisecond advantage. And obviously it breached uh, breached the technical regulations and he got sent to the back of the grid. But how is that his fault? Wait, oh, it not, isn't. Shouldn't they not well, just cancel why, that lap? Well, yeah, I shouldn't. Yeah. Why that, would that be, be my... a penalty? That's not something Daniel Ricardo caused. Well, it's under- an accident. I understand it's a penalty. I, I would have the penalty, though, is that lap is invalidated. Yeah. Now, I, I don't get why that should affect his race at the end of it, because, like I said, it's not... He didn't plan on doing that. Yeah. I, I think that... Well, I do agree. I think the lap should be canceled. The problem is that it's in the regulation, and so they don't want to have that sort of inconsistency, whereas, okay, if we're giving this guy leniency, then maybe they stretch it a little bit longer. But I think that there needs to be a review of those regulations to say... Okay, like a millionth of a second isn't going to make a much difference. Like you said, let's just cancel his lap. And if the next lap that he did doesn't count, then he's out of Q1. But yeah. I agree. To send the guy all the way to the back of the grid for something that he didn't even do, yeah. it was unintentional. It was just some freak spike in the MGUK. Why send him to the back of the grid? I, yeah. I, it's Could just not fair. Some Renault guy uh, was just in the pit box and you know, was dozing away and slipped and like just hit the just MGUK. Bumped it. <laughs> the setting on his... <laughs> Or he's leaning against it. He's like, and then man, just... come on. Renault's had a boring year, but it hasn't been that boring. Yeah. <laughs> and especially at a track like Singapore, right? Where yeah. track track position is key. It's Huge. it's critical. Mm-hmm. So, but that fired... Well, you know, Daniel Ricciardo didn't seem that fired up on the on the grid beforehand. Focused. Yeah, focused. But at one interview, he was talking to one of the Australian TV guys. And he's like, yeah, he's like, thanks for this penalty. It's kind of a waste of my time. I'm like... Really? You're an F1 driver? It's a waste of your time? <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. But when he got into the race, in his words own, we're not fucking around tonight, boys. Yeah, he was flying out there and passing everyone left and right and this for the first half of the race. and then He had <laughs> some very good battles with Perez, Stroll, um, uh, Magnussen. Some very good racing in, involved with all of that. Um, I had a had notes of this, but I forget. But I'm pretty sure those are the four drivers. Yeah. yeah, well, I made notes of it too because we didn't see it on the broadcast. It was the last lap on the battle for 11th yeah. place between, yeah. I think, Sainz, Ricardo, Stroll. Um, Magnuson. No, not Magnuson. I think uh, Magnuson might have been in there. Uh, but anyway, it, w- it was those three that were in there for sure. And yeah, it was like one corner, Stroll's almost running to the back of Ricardo. Then the next, Ricardo's almost crashing into Sainz. It was inches apart, but it was mm-hmm. great racing. And yeah, Ricardo had a lot of great overtakes and then just kind of overcooked it uh, a couple of times. He had contact with uh, Giovinazzi and then I, I forget who he had contact with that led to his puncture. Uh, it was Giovinazzi. Was it Giovinazzi? Yeah. yeah. So and then had to make the pit stop. It kind of screwed his race. So, but I mean, other than that, he, he made up like three, four positions first lap. So mm-hmm. no, he did have a very good race. I, I want to say almost every driver in this trade in, in their own way had a very good race because I was also no. want to mention Lance Stroll. He did. I think he had a very good race, and same with Perez before he uh, before he crashed out towards the end there. Um, maybe everyone Grosjean except for Magnussen. Grosjean did not have a good. Oh, race. Except for setting the fastest, the fastest lap, lap yeah. which he holds on to, which was at the very end. Yeah. I is it just tire wear towards the middle of the race that he just couldn't uh, couldn't keep any pace whatsoever? I think, I, so. I, think I missed that. I missed yeah. them bringing that it, up. It's Haas's problem. Yeah, really. like yeah. their tires just fall off yeah. like crazy. So yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I, I noticed that too. Like After the first pit stops, we just got into this great flow of racing. Yeah. There was great racing. First 20 laps or so, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be one of those boring races. But afterwards, everything just picked up. And, and I thought that all the drivers were really racy. 
Yeah. And, and how the race unfolded, the drama, the strategies, the wheel-to-wheel banging was was really good. Yeah, no, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I was – it's – Manchester City game was at, on at the same time. <laughs> uh-huh. Even though it was a shitty game, I like I, I was watching their F1 race way more than I was watching the game. So yeah. it, it was a very good race. It was a good thing. Yeah, it was – they kept you entertained the entire time. I think it was three safety cars within seven laps or something yeah. like that. Maybe, maybe ten laps. Um, but, yeah, no, it was really good. Um, I had a couple other things I wanted to mention. You guys keep talking. I'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward pause. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The safety cars were kind of, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see how everything would have played out if those safety cars weren't there. Um, but Sebastian Vettel did a good job on the first one. Uh, the second one, Leclerc, I'm talking about the restarts. Leclerc read him like a book and was very close. Yeah. And then the third one, Vettel caught everyone napping, went like a couple very smart. Yeah, went a little early, and he always takes it on the corners, doesn't he? I think he, that's what I noticed. In at least his one good one, or his two good ones. He He's done it in yeah. a lot of previous yeah. races. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. right on the corner, he'll take yeah. off, and people won't expect it. So I remember Baku last year, how well he handles safety car restarts. Yeah. That, that was one thing that popped in my mind. I was like, and and it shows the experience, right? And I just think he had a really really great weekend. Yeah, and even if he wouldn't have won this race, he would have finished maybe second or third. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um. You know, I think it would have been a good weekend for him. The fact that he was there and qualifying within a couple of tens and his race pace was good and he just seemed comfortable with the car, but him winning was just a great, great uh, yeah. result for him. And, and he's back and that's all he needed. He just yeah. needed that one race. You know, all these people, he's going to retire. Ferrari going to drop him. Look at the fact that Ferrari gave him a preferred strategy. The fact that look at the reaction of the team, how happy they were for yeah. him. Even Charles Leclerc, I'll give him credit, was, was giving him uh, props after the race, after he kind of had the adrenaline wore off, he was like, you know what? Okay, it's a if, if Ferrari explained it to me as we did it for a one-two, then I can understand. So yep. they've got a very interesting team dynamic because it could get very heated. If they start battling for the championship, that could get really interesting and it could get even more heated. But there's a lot of unity in Ferrari at the moment and they're on yeah. fire. No, they really are. And I'm really, really excited to see what they can bring to Russia now because uh, if, that, if this upgrade worked in Singapore, you'd think it would work in Russia too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russia is another track that sort of would suit the the Mercedes. new Ferrari car. Yeah, but well, Mercedes, it would suit as well. Mercedes, correct? Yeah. Yes, um, which we will get into in our Russian preview. But uh, very interesting in, in the last couple races, and that brings me to uh, one of the last things I wanted to talk about was for me. I, I'm curious to see what you guys think, but personally, I think tw- 2019 has been the strangest, weirdest season yeah, in F1 for sure. in in my recent memory. I mean, um, I've only started watching last year, but yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Easy answer for you then. So. But the reason why I say that is because WTF1 was talking about this on their podcast, and they, they posted a cool graphic here of the first five races, and, and you guys can see the, the standings after the first five races, so Australia to Spain. And then look at the standings in the last five from Germany to Singapore, and you see that you know fifth, third place, they're all separated by 10, 12 points. Yeah. It's very, very close, whereas the first five races, complete sweep for Mercedes. First eight races were won by Mercedes, actually, and we were talking about it. We've had videos you guys can go back to about how F1 is bad, this is not good for the sport, and then after Austria, man, everything just hopped off, and it's turned yeah. into a really exciting season, but it's, it's so weird. We talked earlier about Charles Leclerc having the most pole positions. Even though it's been a Mercedes-dominated season in which they've wrapped up the championship basically after the first six races, mm-hmm. but now Leclerc's got the most poles. Now Ferrari's won three races in a row. Yeah, 
before that, Red Bull seemed like they were going to challenge for second in the championship. Like, it's just so weird in a season that you see, you feel like it's Mercedes dominated, but these other two teams are still doing really well. I, I don't know. I just feel it's so it's weird. It's like the Leicester season of soccer. <laughs> Except there's no, no one, like there's Alfa no, Romeo there's winner. There's no Alfa Romeo <laughs> winner. <laughs> but yeah. are you saying there is a chance? Are you saying there's a chance that Ferrari comes back? No. No. To win the constructors' championship? No. No. I th- I think the gap is too big. I I, I agree. I think uh, it's a big fight for s- maybe second or third. What's what's Valtteri points at? Valtteri is about sixty four ch- uh, points behind Lewis Hamilton yeah. at this point. Yeah, first and second are locked in, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Uh, and I'm not yeah. saying it's it's from that perspective. Like I said. Uh, I think if Hamilton were to finish like third the rest of the way and Leclerc Vettel exchange wins, he's still going to win the championship yeah. by some 20-odd points. But again, it just seemed like at the beginning of the season, we're like, man, this season's going to suck. The racing sucks. All these stupid penalty decisions. Mercedes winning all the races. Ferrari's nowhere. Red Bull's nowhere. And then all of a sudden, we're know, getting man. all these... Cla- like, Think back to Spain and France, how bad those races were. Awful. Yeah. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. And then think <laughs> back to Germany, Singapore, yeah. Monza, Austria, Britain. Classic races that could yeah. go down as the best in the decade. I just can't read the season. I don't know what's going to happen. Know, it's weird. It is really weird. Um, I wish I wish this was all season. Imagine this uh, is how the season started. It would have been phenomenal. <clears throat> Amazing. It, it would have been a historic season. It would have mm-hmm. been a 2012-esque style season because in this graphic too they've only done the last five and that doesn't count austria or or silverstone so it it probably would be even closer and and you'd have a three four five way fight for the title heading to abu dhabi whereas now a couple races from now lewis will be crowned six-time world champion yeah yep so it's unfortunate i'm disappointed that it took this long for f1 to kind of get underway but maybe ferrari's like oh we got them now we've yeah. got them right where we want them yeah this is your F plan all along yeah <laughs> hundred some odd points behind but now we're gonna start <laughs> now this is where it counts yeah, um, yeah exactly is that it then for uh no there's somebody i want to mention that oh. the broadcast did dirty as well lando norris we haven't talked about oh, him this true. entire broadcast Again, I think this is the third or fourth race in a row. He has been the best of the rest, and there has been no coverage on him yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Same with Carlos Sainz, too, yes. in the end. Yeah, like, just we got a couple of glimpses of Carlos Sainz. Um, again, I think Lando Norris had a fantastic race, and he did a really good job staying behind those top six cars and, you know, basically keeping the top six and the and the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the racers kind of separated. Yeah. There was no real instance where we saw that Lando Norris was going to be taken over and I think uh him coming in first year into his car 18 years old he's doing a really good job he is seventh place again I must say did you guys see his team radio from the first practice session where who I don't know who was in front of him and he's it like was Carlos Sainz yeah he's like what is he doing what is he doing <laughs> he reminded me of you I don't know why he just sounded like you in that instance I was like that's like well that's I like think Tyler. he did that as a joke though right yeah. because yeah. he knew his no he said what is this guy doing yeah <laughs> and it was like Yo, man, that's your teammate. Yeah. <laughs> good old Lando. He's always good for a laugh. He's, yeah, uh, well, you guys were talking about the Sky Sports thing. Just yeah, we came uh, that on. was really good. That was He's like, well, you're short. And Lando was like, what? what? Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. But yeah, no, I just yeah. wanted to give him a mention because oh, I, thought, I thought the broadcast did him kind of dirty. Lando has been phenomenal. We'll see if he brings that to Russia as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else from Singapore? Um, 
happy retirement to Kibitza. I oh, correct. We... Yeah. Kibitza not returning in yeah. uh, 2020. Yeah, in 2020. Yeah. But he's not retiring. He's going to, I know, yet. but... Uh, F1 retirement. F1 retirement, yeah. 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 yeah, we'll have more on him probably at the end of the season, but yeah. uh, even though it hasn't necessarily worked out for him, I still think it's been a great comeback. I, yeah, I think, I think it's been great for him yeah. to come back, so good for year. sure. Um, yeah. I think that's right. it. I, th- I, think, uh, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Cool. All right, so this is a back well, to... We didn't do our uh, driver. Driver of the day? Yeah. Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian me. Vettel. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine's Sebastian Vettel. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, on that terrible disappointment, <laughs> it's time to end. <laughs> I, I don't Too think bad. legally we can say that, Tyler. Can we? Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, well. But why don't we take a left turn down Conversation Street and yeah, finish, finish off this off. podcast? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's funny because the last week you said if Vettel were to win or do better, we'd put him in the middle and He's there right. he there is. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. With the checkered flags. <laughs> That's right. And his mug as well. Yes. I tried to get go. as much Vettel gear as I could. So <laughs> I'm sure you guys are so happy out there. We know we've got so many Ferrari fans following the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. Second win of the season. Don't yes. try to debate that. Yeah. Second, win, second of win of the season. All right, so we'll be back tomorrow then, if you're watching this uh, on Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow with our Russian Grand Prix preview. This is uh, the other back-to-back, heading to the Sochi Autodrome. Very interesting weekend, and we'll be breaking down all the track and circuit info there. Also, we got our F1 Power Rankings, round 15, dropping this Friday. It should be interesting who's going to be number one after a very topsy-turvy Singapore race. So I think that we'll have some disagreements there as well. Anything else from you guys? Are we good? No, I think that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now, and we'll see you for Russia. Russia.